Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure you check us out every day, Monday through Friday, on Dash Radio, 10 a.m., to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. Also check out 5reasonsports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com. We've got all your latest heat coverage. Our guy Brady Hawk is going to be on here on this episode. Just put up the latest takeaways. So find that there, but also the latest on the Marlins, who are now in a playoff spot. The Dolphins coming off a loss to the Patriots. Inner Miami, the Panthers, the Hurricanes, who play Louisville this weekend and more. Also check out our YouTube channel nearing 6,000 subscribers over there because of all of our original programming. And also we put up the zoom interviews with the dolphins players, the, the heat players and more and our great sponsors. We have many of them and they're all here in South Florida, including our guy, Mark Brown. You can find him at Mark Brown PA. That's M A R C Brown PA.com. The phone number is nine, five, four, five, six, six, Five six seven eight nine five four five six six five six seven eight. This is a real estate litigation and transaction law firm, both commercial and residential, with a full service attorney owned title company. And they've got a great deal for you. If you mention five reasons, you get a two hundred and ninety-five dollar closing fee on all refinances and purchases. They handle evictions for landlords and tenants, and they offer flat fee evictions. Practicing for nearly 15 years here in South Florida. Again, mention five reasons for a great deal. $295 closing fee. And call the office 954-566-5678. Again, that's 954-566-5678. And now, today's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sidney, Alex Toledo, and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. Here's today's floor plan. We're going to break down with Brady Hawk and Greg Sylvander, the Miami Heat's overtime victory in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Now just three wins from the NBA Finals. So many plays we've got to go through in this game. We're going to do that first, and then we'll kind of big picture it. We'll back up a little bit. But the play of the game, I think all three of us agree, was not on the offensive end. Um, you had 29 points from Goran Dragic. You had a great drive and finish and foul uh, picked up by Jimmy Butler late when it was needed. You had 22 points from Jay Crowder, and you had a near triple-double from Tyler Hero. But the play of the game was from the guy that some of the national media do not consider to be a star, but he met Boston star Jason Tatum at the top and had a block in a one-possession game, and that's Bam Adebayo, Greg. Okay, so that needs to go on a court culture moments tee immediately because if you go through Miami Heat history, there are very few plays that are that significant and that big a moment. Um, that was just unbelievable. To meet Jason Tatum at the rim, 
with the game on the line to not foul. I mean, you go through huge blocks in Heat history that we'll remember forever. You know, LeBron on splitter or uh, the Alonzo morning stuff in game six in the finals versus Dallas. This out of bio block is now on that same list. And it was just unbelievable to see him kind of uh, rebound from a, a weird offensive night to have the play of the game. And for Miami to get that win, just I'm, I'm speechless. I need a cigarette and a sandwich again. <laughs> two cigarettes, two sandwiches. Uh, Brady, bam, at times during the game, again, didn't look especially aggressive. It was even kind of called out by Doris Burke once saying when he can hit that jumper, he becomes a totally different player. But it's not just about the offense for him. I think that's we have to look differently at what a star is in the NBA. There aren't many other bigs in the league who could have made that play against Jason Tatum. Yeah, there really there is there really isn't um, many guys that can do that. I think just talking about the negative side quickly, it's just he was a little indecisive with the ball at the end of that game in the fourth quarter. Kind of seemed like uh, kind of down in that below two minute mark, he was kind of pivoting around kind of looking for Goran or looking for Jimmy just to pass the ball, not even looking towards the rim at all. Um, but he just does so many other things that, that just aren't scoring the ball, just passing, rebounding, defensive plays, just making so many small things, obviously, with the picks. And like you said with the national media, it just seems like they just really don't understand Bam Adebayo as a player, which along with Jimmy Butler is kind of the same thing. Um, but Bam, just that block, it's just – you look at two guys from that same draft class, rising superstar going up on another rising superstar. And obviously Bam Adebayo came away with the, with the play right there on that one. Greg, uh, you, you, I think you've mentioned this a little bit off there. When we think of the, the most impactful defensive plays in Miami Heat history, now this did not come in the finals. So the Tiago splitter one, it's not quite there. But it's on a short list. Like, I, you know, I mean, you remember great defensive plays from Dwayne, obviously plays that led to as you know Eric Spolsch used to call the skirmishes right like you make that incredible play on the defensive end and there's a highlight play on the other end although we tend to remember the highlight dunk on the other end more than we maybe do the play that led to it but it, I mean you're talking about the Eastern Conference Finals maybe it doesn't feel the same quite as it usually does because it's not in front of a crowd it's not something that the home you know the home arena where fans are going to go home 20,000 people do you remember that that block by Bam but the significance of it when you're this close to the finals, I mean, what other defensive plays would you even put there with it? I mean, the, you're right. We don't really remember defensive plays because usually the end of games are reserved for, you know, the LeBron James layup when Hibbert's not on the court, you know, to end a game or, or something like that. Or some of the Dwayne moments, like we remember the half court heave to beat Chicago, but we rarely talk about the steal that led to it. You know what I mean? So it's just more apt to go towards offense. But I mean, that play, um, the way Tatum had it going throughout the entire game, he, he, he was winning his individual matchup all night. And uh, he tried a couple of those step back, really long threes. And I think he tried to then say, okay, that's not working for me. So I'm going straight to the cup. Bam didn't foul. And it was just, it was an unbelievable way to finish that game. That was Alonzo Mourning-esque. He was channeling Zoe in that moment, no doubt. And, and now let's talk about another of the key plays in the game. We're going to try to go through some of these because I know we're in the moment uh, and, I, and I think they get forgotten. You know, when you have a game like this, when I used to cover these at the arena and you think back to game six, 
you know, of the 2013 finals and everybody remembers the Rays shot, but there were like 20 other impactful plays in that game that got forgotten. Most of them had to do over the years with Mario Chalmers. He always used to get upset at us. You forgot what I did because of something else that happened later, but there were so many plays in this game. The one obviously on the offensive end that, that is going to be remembered is the Jimmy Butler drive against Jason Tatum in a game where they were running different defenders at him. He was very passive for most of, I thought the first three quarters, particularly the third quarter stretch where he was out there without Dragic, who was terrific in this game, but he had hero, but neither of them were really handling and Iguodala was trying to make plays with a Linux and it just wasn't working very well with Kendrick Nunn. But then at the end, someone close to him texted said, Jimmy's going to win this thing. I thought he would try to win it with a step back with a three. I was glad he attempted the drive that he was aggressive there. Uh, Greg, I mean, again, there was some criticism of, of Jimmy for some late game decisions this season. And again, settling for the jumper for him to attack in a game, he didn't get to the free throw line that often. I thought was important there. Yeah. For him to finish seven of 14 from the field. And I mean, you know, only six free throws. So that's not customary. Jimmy five rebounds, five assists. Like he rounded out himself into having a, a respectable game when it looked like this was going in a completely different direction. Uh, early fourth quarter, you know, end of the third quarter. Uh, so it, it's just an, a testament to this guy on a mission. Um, I know that it's cliche to kind of point at some of that kind of fire in the eye stuff as some people call it. But he's just – he looks different in this run, and he's hes finding ways to impact the game, even if it's in short spurts. Uh, and it was just – it was a classic closer Jimmy moment. Yeah, and I think you look at, at Jimmy Butler today just on a different – a lot of different aspects of what he did. Just obviously you said attacking the rim and hitting that, that jumper. But um, there's just so many plays that he does throughout that just don't get looked at. As you say, the smaller plays, even in the first three quarters, are small plays. But – Looking at the offensive side of the ball, just with him kind of searching, I, it kind of just using the eye test, you kind of look in that first – that it kind of looked like he was leaning towards like a really bad playoff game, the way he just wasn't even trying to initiate offense at all, not even trying to get a flow, as you mentioned, without Goron on the court. He's going to need to be that guy that goes and gets the ball and makes plays and tries to attack the basket, which he wasn't doing for the first three and a half quarters. Um, but obviously, once again, Jimmy steps up in the end of the fourth. Um, but I think there's going to be games when Boston um, – it might be too late for Jimmy to step up that late in the game that Boston's going to pull away and it could become an issue. But obviously today that wasn't the, the situation and Jimmy stepped up late once again, which seems like it's happening a lot in these playoffs. I want to go through some of the other plays again so they don't get forgotten. Uh, the play at the end of regulation that I think uh, would have been talked about a lot if the Heat don't win this game is Derek Jones Jr. getting inserted at the end and then getting called for basically a dead ball foul on the inbound, which led to a Jason Tatum technical free throw. And again, they, they did not finish it because Tatum missed at the buzzer. I was a little surprised Tatum didn't attack at the end of regulation. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on the Mark Davis call? Total BS. I feel like Smart was just flailing and fell down on purpose to kind of exaggerate the contact. Uh, there's a part of me that would hope DJJ would get a little bit more careful and be clean on that kind of thing because you know what the implications are fouling a player when um, you know you have a dead ball foul and the, and the ball hasn't been inbounded yet. But ultimately, like, let's not let the calls like that that are just – 
inconsequential to the actual basketball being played to decide a game. So for that to tie it up, I think the Heat escaped there uh, without uh, the lead growing. Um, and ultimately, I would hope DJJ would, uh, would be a little bit more careful next time. But this smart stuff, by the end of this series, we are going to be really aggravated with Marcus Smart. And, and the specifics of that we'll get into, because I, I do think we have to talk about this being the Marcus Smart game. The Heat kind of survived the Marcus Smart game. But a couple of other plays late um, that, that I want to touch on. The hero hit-ahead pass was, was huge. His feel for the game and just came across throughout. Uh, the Jalen Brown offensive rebound, which was one of the few times that the Heat did not clean up the backboards, okay, where Jalen uh, gets in there and, and that led to the extra possession. The Kemba Walker step back. Uh, against Hero, which, you know, Dragic was out of the game. They'd already taken him out. He had the five fouls. I'm not sure he would have been guarding him there anyway, but the step back, and we've seen Kemba do that to so many players over the years. I don't really think you can blame Tyler, or I thought otherwise played a, a really good defensive game. I don't want to – there were so many of those plays late in the game that are going to get forgotten that I don't want to draw sweeping conclusions off this game, but I think the overall conclusion that I would have, when you saw – Eric Spolster come out and run zone defense from the very beginning, which is not something that he'd been doing in the playoffs. You saw some of the blitzing that the, that the Heat did at times. At times, it looked like they were running the 2012 defense, okay, with all the blitzing that the big three used to do, the blitz trapping and then kind of the racing back out to shooters. The stuff that Boston did, which is every time that Kemba got switched onto Jimmy, they would throw the second defender. Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum would be right there. This felt to me in a lot of ways like a game seven. This was like, I don't know what the coaches have left. It kind of felt to me like Spolster had a week to think about this. Brad Stevens, obviously, we know is a creative coach, but he knew if they beat Toronto, it was going to be the heat next. It, I felt to a certain degree, Brady, that these coaches kind of emptied the clip in game one. Yeah, you kind of look at just on the Spo side of things, obviously implemented all those de defensive adjustments with the zone and all of those sorts of things. Obviously, he, he changed up kind of the substitution kind of thing, but I think that might have something to do with the, the foul trouble of Duncan, but he went 10 deep. Um, I think there's a lot of things to look at with this Heat team just right now. Just they're, This just further proved they're just a scrappy physical team that, that we've said all season. Um, it just further proves in this playoffs, which is the players, coaches kind of have been saying that in these press conferences over and over, and it kind of seems like it's just – it's just they're just kind of saying it, but it, it's it's just really is the truth. They're just a scrappy team that no matter if they're down twelve in the fourth quarter, they're they're still in this game, and it just seems like it's just it gets more and more, it just becomes more and more true the the further we go. Um, but I think like you said, with the just kind of throwing stuff out there and and changing stuff up and throwing everything they have, I think it's gonna just just further proves that this is gonna be a a game a seven game series. It's just both these teams. They showed that they have their, their positives and their negatives. Each team had, like the Heat had two good quarters and two bad quarters. They kind of showed their, their floor and their ceiling, um, which probably isn't their ceiling because I think their shooting could be a lot better. But there's just so many things that, that kind of went both ways in this game for both teams that it just really is, is it's interesting. Greg, were you surprised that Eric uh, went to the zone so early in this game and showed I, – I, I haven't seen him mix – so many defenses in one game in a long time. He didn't do that so much against Milwaukee. I kind of stuck with a couple of different things the entire series. He really didn't do it much against Indiana. Today, I felt like, again, he coached an entire series in one game. 
He really did. I, I, you hit the nail on the head in that they, re, they threw everything at the wall to see what was going to stick because these teams are so evenly matched um, in so many ways. And the interesting part about the zone was is that um, – and I know that there's been two taller, longer players at the top of the zone um, in other circumstances. But generally, as I remember, and I don't have the best memory with this stuff, it's usually DJJ that they trust to be up there at the top. Um, this time, if I remember correctly, it was Jimmy and Jay. And then they had Gorin down on the baseline kind of um, and living with that result. And I just thought it was an interesting slight adjustment that maybe – Everyone else has noticed, but it was new to me. And it felt like that would happen for two, three, four possessions. And then they would go back to man for a few possessions. And then they would go back to it again. So it was really Spolstra pivoting a lot throughout the game. And, and to do it on the fly that quickly in a game one, when you're really supposed to be just feeling each other out, it, it kind of shows how much these teams have had the chance to prepare. And also you have two great coaches going at it. I know I make fun of Brad Stevens, but this is going to be an unbelievable strategic series. And uh, we, we got a glimpse of that, uh, you know, starting tonight. I, I want to go through some of the comments. we got Alex Toledo on the Zoom calls right now. He's been on there for a bit so he's been tweeting these out let, let me get to some of these and then after the break we're going to get into Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic, um, Marcus Smart and more. Eric Spolster said it's much better to get the win and work on your teaching points from there but we understand we can't get carried away with just one win. Jimmy Butler I know what all these guys bring to the table and uh, everybody's ready because their time is going to come they just work at it, they're comfortable they know they've been doing it so many hours, so many days when the cameras aren't there more from Jimmy uh, Magic Johnson apparently went on Twitter today I guess he got a hold of his own Twitter account because usually I feel like somebody else is tweeting for him uh, Magic called Bam's block one of the best defensive plays he's ever seen in the playoffs you guys remember it well Brady's not going to remember this Greg you remember the Tayshon uh, Prince chase down block that oh, that's of course a, on Reggie of course uh, on, on on Reggie LeBron's chase down block obviously that was on Draymond right was that that was on was that on Draymond I believe I'm no that was on, that was on Iggy that was yeah. on Iggy of course how could I forget that it was on Iggy right so LeBron's on Iggy uh that Tayshawn I, I mean there are others that certainly would come to mind there's there's certainly uh the defensive play of Jordan remember obviously Jordan on Carl Malone right? oh I with, got one Chris ba Chris Bosh on Danny Green Chris Bosh on Danny Green, which got forgotten a little bit because of what happened on the other end, right? But yes, Chris Bosh on Danny Green. I mean, there's a lot of these through the years that you remember. And Magic Johnson put this one up with it. Um, Jimmy said, I would agree with him what Bam did to save that game to make sure we win it by putting his body on the line. That was a great play. Uh, more from Jimmy. I think my confidence in my guys grows every single second because they're not scared of anything, of any team, of any moment, of any shot. I'm glad I get to be part of the leaders we've got here. Uh, Bam Adebayo on the block. Feel like Jimmy knew I was there. He got him to the launching pad, which we teach the whole year. And at that point, I had to make a play. It's the playoffs, and I made a great play. Bam on Tyler Hero, who, like I said, we're going to get into. Just another element of our team. At this point, years don't matter if you're out there and you're out there to uh, you're out there to produce. And he produced. I'm proud of him. Um, and then Jimmy on Tyler Hero. He's been preparing for this moment all year long. There's nothing we're not comfortable with him doing. All right, after the break. We're going to get into Tyler Hero. I want to talk about Goran Dragic also because he shouldn't be forgotten. This game gets away for sure um, if he doesn't perform the way that he's going to perform. But we want to tell you about another of the great new sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. We appreciate everybody jumping on board. Another 
local sponsor here, and that's Mr. Kitchen. They can serve all of your construction needs with licensed contractors. They do custom American-made cabinetries, 15 years serving South Florida. They've got showrooms in Broward and Palm Beach counties. You can call or text a picture of your kitchen. I might do that tonight. To 561 561- Four zero zero one one nine five. Again, that's five six one four zero zero one one nine five for a free estimates. So we're expecting all kinds of pictures to be floating out there to that phone number. Again, five six one four zero zero one one nine five. If you add the code five on the floor, you'll get five percent off your total bill. Check out the website. It's Mister Kitchen.org. O R G. Mister Kitchen.org. Again, the phone number five six one four zero zero. One one nine five. All right, let's get back to it. And I want to touch on some of the Heat players and then what they the Heat tried to do against some of the Boston players. There were so many games this season that the Heat were stuck in mud and Goran Dragic dug him out of it. And I, there were many regular season games that, that happened. It's happened frequently in the playoffs. But Goran also has had a habit in the bubble, and Euro Goran, as now everybody's calling him, and I was calling him three months ago, um, of having one great half and the other half not being so great. And tonight kind of looked like that. Like he got off to that fast start. I think he had 17 or 18 in the first half. And then they started trapping him in the third quarter and taking the ball out of his hands. They were trapping him up high. He wasn't really able to get his rhythm. He wasn't as aggressive. Again, sort of the pattern that he's had where it's one great half, one not so great half. Sometimes it's the first, sometimes it's the second. But then he had a sequence where it wasn't just the big three that he hit, but he was settling their offense. He had a strip. Uh, he had a great. Uh, he had a great pass that I, I forgot again. So many plays in this game, I can't remember who finished it. But he had a two-minute sequence where he again took over the game late. Finishes with 29 tonight. I think this is now what is this seven out of nine times in the playoffs he's gone over 20. Yeah. Um, Right. I, I believe. No, actually, it's it's is it more than that? I think it's, oh, it's eight out of ten, I think, at this point. Right. Because they played ten. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's eight out of ten. Finished with twenty nine, seven and four plus 13, 11 of 19 from the floor, three of six from three, 39 minutes. I don't care about the minutes tonight. It's the Eastern Conference Finals. So many times he's the relief option. I feel like other, others get in trouble. Get it out to Goran. Sometimes it's the one dribble. Let his defender blow by him. And then ends up making the three, leads them in scoring tonight. And, and here's the thing. Other than the trapping up top, it didn't seem like they had a good answer for him, Greg. No, I mean, I, I thought the best playoff game we were ever going to see from Gorn was that game six against Toronto um, back in, what was that, 2016 or so? Um, feels like forever ago. Th- this was one of those games where he, he – even in the second half when he wasn't scoring at the same clip, he still felt like he was helping the Heat settle down and control the pace. There was even a huge play where he kind of turned around and flipped it at the basket and got Tice fouled out that I thought was a a huge um, play as well. So it's little stuff like that that just continually, they put the ball in his hand. They they trusted him to play um, without making a lot of mistakes. He only had one turnover tonight, which I thought was really huge. And so, you know, ultimately they're going to swing the ball to Jimmy really late, but Gorn kept them afloat for a lot of this game and um, they, 
a key thing is even when Boston was going on runs, the Heat would chip away at it and get it down to seven, get it down to eight, and just stay within striking distance. And that was all due to Gore. And I, I felt like a lot of that, particularly in the first half as they closed with a tie, um, that the, these are things that get forgotten in a game full of big plays, like you mentioned. But he, he was one of the biggest contributors, no doubt. Yeah, I kind of think with looking at Goran, it's kind of been, as you alluded to earlier, just it's it's pretty much been Goran for the first half and, and Jimmy kind of taking the reins of the second half. That's kind of the way it's kind of seemed. I think Goran and Jimmy play better. Um, I think they play well together, but I think they play better when they can both lead their own units. I think um, Goran just better as the the guy with the ball in his hands that can run the pick and roll, that can do all these other things and score at all three levels. And Ultimately, it kind of seemed like Jimmy wasn't stepping up in that second half like he usually would, and obviously he did in that fourth quarter. But it's it's just it's continue like Greg Greg said. It's just he just constantly when they're just at their worst, it just seems like Goran's there to save them. He's just their most consistent scorer um, by far. He's just always there to kind of um, get them out of it because he has so many ways of just kind of doing it. He can obviously drive to the basket, and he can he can kill somebody from the mid range and obviously hit a three and he gets others involved. Um, not even just by just his assist numbers, but just his way of just kind of being that, that floor spacer and leader. So there's just so many, there's so many levels to go on that you just kind of have to look at, but there's just, he's just one of those guys, as we talk about Bam, he just, he makes these small plays throughout the game that just don't get talked about, you know, after the game. All right, let's get into the guy he was playing with in the backcourt for a good portion of the game, which was Tyler hero who in his first Eastern Conference Finals game, which, again, through no fault of Dwayne Wade's, was someplace that even he didn't reach as a rookie, finished with this stat line. (laughs) 40 minutes, third most on the team, 5 of 10 from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3, 12 points, including two huge late threes, which, again, we're just used to saying it at this point. I mean, he had two others that swirled in and out. I mean, it, it could have been a bigger scoring game for him. Finished with 12, 11, and 9, including that hit-ahead pass that we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, But the biggest thing that stood out to me, and I guess the rebounding plays into this, was how on point he was with his defensive assignments throughout the game. Um, Several times, even if he didn't get the steal, he made it uncomfortable for somebody. He was trapping at the right times. And, And again, when they needed big defensive rebounds, he got them. There was really only one big defensive rebound in this game they didn't get, and that was the Jalen Brown one that led to the extra possession late. But overall, I mean, you know, they only gave up six offensive rebounds. You'll take that all the time. They won the overall rebounding, I believe. I think they were 41 to 37. With Tyler Hero leading it, Mr. – and I, we'll bring Nikias on again – Mr. Short Arms with 11 boards. <laughs> the second leading rebounder on the Heat tonight was Goran Dragic. They got 18 rebounds from their 6-4 and under guards tonight. I just, to me, and I tweeted this, and maybe I got a little bit carried away, the kid's a basketball savant. Like, he just, he reads the game at a level like, and, and I, you know, you talk about the IQ of this team. The highest IQ team I've ever covered, and I think one of the highest IQ teams in NBA history, was the 2012-2013 Heat. You had LeBron James and Dwayne Wade who were you know, off the charts basketball IQ. Shane Battier and Chris Bosh were off the charts like life IQ, plus Ray Allen, plus James Jones. It was one of the smartest teams in NBA history. 
But this team has tremendous basketball IQ, and I'm not sure that anybody's basketball IQ on this team is higher than Tyler. It's high, higher than Tyler Heroes. He's bleeping 20 years old, getting 40 minutes in an Eastern Conference Finals game, and putting up a near triple double. It, it's just he he has a feel for the game that it, it just you can't teach it. And the fact that he was able, I mean, he only had two turnovers, like you said, nine assists. The the Heat as a team had 32 assists on 40 made field goals. So the ball movement was there, and that was a lot to do with Tyler Hero. He wasn't rattled at all. He didn't look rushed at all. I mean, it's just we keep saying these things, and it's almost like we're doing the same podcast over and over again, and we think he can't that at some point you're going to max out what you can do um, at his age on this stage. And he just continues to show us that he's, he's built and lives for these moments. Um, you know, Jimmy has even kind of alluded to how they're willing to kind of give Tyler the responsibilities of doing anything on the court. Uh, it's unprecedented. It really is um, just seeing him blend in um, and become what he's become in such short order. Uh, I'm speechless. I'm literally speechless. Yeah, I really think that his feel for the game stands out more than anything. Duncan Robinson kind of touched on that in the press conference Uh, a couple days ago. They kind of asked him about Tyler Hero's scoring and and shooting abilities, and he said that basically that that's all great, but nothing even comes close to his feel for the game overall. And I think that that's just what stands out. If you look back kind of to his – even his high school days – he plays the same exact way with the same exact speed with the same, and just everything is just to a T. He doesn't get rattled by game one of the Easter conference. Fine. Ohio ready for some quick mental health facts. Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition in the U S more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. A practice scrimmage or a high school game, he plays the same exact way. He plays, you know, with his speed. And ultimately, that's what he's going to do no matter what, because obviously, like we said, his, his confidence is just through the roof. I want to get into one other topic here before we get to a break, and, and that's this, because I think in some ways this could decide the series. You had a Jay Crowder game versus a Marcus Smart game. I think if anybody would have predicted that while both were playing for the Boston Celtics a couple of years back, they would have said you were nuts, right? Jay Crowder today played 39 minutes, went five of nine for three, ended up with 22 points. Marcus Smart played 43 minutes. Again, no, no Gordon Hayward. Six of 13 from three had 26 points. In both cases, the other team was willing, and we expected this, the other team was willing to give them those shots. In fact, I felt that Marcus Smart getting off early was actually a good thing for the Heat in sort of a sadistic way because they did fall behind 26-18 after the first quarter. But him getting off early, I thought he would take more of those, which, again, the Heat would like him taking those shots as opposed to Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, or even though he was six of 19 tonight, Kemba Walker taking those shots. Um, And they're going to continue to allow him to take those shots. So I will ask you this question, Greg, if Boston's going to give Jay that shot over and over and Miami's going to give, give smart that shot over and over who ultimately does that benefit? 
Because I think that's the one thing we saw tonight that we're going to keep seeing for the next, I think, five or six games of this series. I think you'd have to say it benefits Miami because the data since Miami has acquired Jay Crowder suggests that he's going to continue to shoot threes at a 40% or better clip. And Marcus Smart was a uh, 34% shooter during the regular season and his, uh, his uptick to 35% in the playoffs. So, you know, he, he's, he's a respectable three-point shooter. You don't want to leave him alone. And tonight was a good example of a good Marcus Smart game. But Jay Crowder has been doing this consistently night overnight on, um, I think, his three-point attempts in the playoffs have been 11 so he he was a little under on attempts tonight and so I would continue I, I would kind of lean in Jay's direction on being able to replicate this game over and over again so adv advantage Miami there and I, I agree with you I think that that is what we're going to see both teams be willing to give up and uh, for 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 Boston, they've had so much issues getting production off the bench to have Wanamaker get 11 and six assists. Like this was the game Boston wanted to get. This was the blueprint for them and they didn't get it. Yeah, well, talking about, about Jay Crowder, I think obviously I think he was the, the most impactful player on the team, even though we said all the stuff Bam has done in this game. I think Jay Crowder by far was the most impactful and Obviously, he had that huge game, but I think that he's going to – that kind of – his game's going to get overlooked by all the other things, obviously by Butler, Bam, and Hero, and others. But just a couple things that he did just throughout. I think um, he had a one play where he kind of had an open three, but instead he, he dished it inside to Butler for a dunk. And I think that's just right there is another kind of Miami Heat IQ play that you've talked about. And then obviously, like we alluded to earlier, was the – the big play of the game that's not going to get talked about was the stop on Kemba Walker. That mm -hmm. was a shot clock violation. So mm -hmm. Jay Crowder as we, as is Bam, but he's, he's just such an impactful player. And that's why he's, that's why he's starting and closing games for this heat team. Um, there's just so many, so many things that stand out other than his consistent shooting, which is, Pretty similar to Marcus Smart, actually, because obviously he does pretty similar things. I, you know, I'm glad you mentioned both of those because I wanted to get to both of those. The, the, the shot clock violation on Walker was, was a Crowder play. Uh, you know, he made that happen. Kemba dribbled himself in, into trouble, but Crowder completely shut that thing off. And again, he's not known as a shot blocker. He's not known necessarily for protecting the paint, but that's a way that you protect the paint. When you make it difficult for a small guy to operate in there, and he did that, and that was a critical play. But the other one you mentioned was, you know, you're at the point now. It's crazy. But when Jay Crowder has an open three, you're like, take it, which is not something you would have yelled to Jay Crowder at any other point of his career. At that play where the ball comes out to him and there's nobody within six feet of him, and you're like, Jay, what are you doing? And he made the pass hit to Butler uh, for the finish. Was, it's crazy how he's evolved here where that's what you're thinking in that situation, but you were, and it was, look, he's been tremendous. I'm obviously there's total, total trust in him. Um, and they needed him tonight because one thing we're going to talk about after the break is that, you know, it's another playoff game where really Duncan Robinson did not get going. And, and that's one of the questions going forward. So we're going to talk going forward here. I know people are excited about what happened. I've already got everybody requesting. They want t-shirts of the band block. Um, I'm sure I'll, I'll be talking to Adam Smoot about that later tonight to see if maybe we could work that out. But uh, we're going to talk about a little bit, you know, forward, uh, kind of some of the things that didn't happen tonight that might happen going forward. I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's you break wheelfix.com you break wheel fix is a wheel repair and refinishing company which is located in north miami with 15 years experience they can fix bent or crack wheels they're damaged on the horrible streets 
We know they're horrible. Of South Florida, they got fast turnaround times on most repairs, and they even offer loaner wheels while they fix or refinish your wheels so you can keep your car on the road without interruption. If your wheels are faded or peeling, you break wheel fix offers complete refinishing back to factory standards. And if you're just bored with the look of your wheels, you break wheel fix offers over 5,000 different finishes to customize their look. Don't spend money on new wheels when you can renew them at you break wheel fix. They do the vice colors there too. They offer the full line of custom wheels and tires for every vehicle application. And they offer in-house repair and complete vehicle customization. So call you break wheel fix today at or tomorrow or whenever you want, but do it soon. 305-748-0112, 305-748-0112 or online at youbreakwheelfix.com. You can also check them out on all the social media platforms. I recommend Instagram at youbreakwheelfix because they post pictures of everything. If you mention five reasons, when you call, you get 10% off your repair. And here's the other thing. They're giving away free powder coating on a set of wheels. It's a $600 value. On the last pod, we gave you one of the code words. It was semi, okay? The second code word is Tyler, all right? So semi and Tyler, once we get to five code words, call them up, be the first to call them, and you will get a $600 value free powder coating on a set of wheels. All right, back here with Brady Hawk, Ethan Skolnick, um, and obviously we've got Greg Sylvander here. Again, check out Alex Salido's feed for all the latest on the Zoom calls. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. Uh, let's get into the, the players on the Heat who were not effective tonight and kind of what happens with them going forward. And then I want to touch on uh, what the Heat tried to do on Jason Tatum. Duncan Robinson was not effective. Um, 17 minutes, two of seven from three, which were all of his shots. Uh, picked up four fouls, three of them early, one of them on the offensive end. He looked frustrated. Uh, we, you know, he went over to Spolstra holding his arms up to show, look, I'm not doing anything wrong, and they're calling me anyway. And, and I understand a lot of this is not Duncan's fault. I get that. He's officiated a different way. I also understand he's getting more attention than he got during the regular season. But there's enough of a sample size now, guys, against three different teams, okay? And we're talking about, what, 10 games, right? There's enough of a sample size that in some games, Duncan Robinson has a hard time getting going and a hard time being kept on the floor. Greg, should there be concern and do you need to get away from him even more than you have? I mean, I think there's obviously concern because we want to see him get to the Duncan Robinson we saw all season. But if he ends up being the greatest diversion tactic in the history of the Miami Heat, then so be it. Because when you look at the minute distribution today, um, and granted it was an overtime game, um, kind of the five guys that have the, that led the team in minutes, like who are you taking off the court? Like the way that they're playing right now, Goran, Hero, Jay, Jimmy, and Bam. I mean, that's the closing five. So at some point somebody was going to get squeezed in that scenario and Duncan happens to be that guy. This is the thing with Duncan and why I'm not overly concerned is that he, they can, the attention will remain. It's not a situation where Duncan Robinson hasn't gotten off for a few series. So now teams are going to say, okay, we solved that guy. So we don't have to pay attention to him anymore. The gravity that he brings is still going to be there. So at some point, some head coach conceivably may say, okay, this isn't working. Let's try something else. And you hope that that's the moment where Duncan can get going. Um, but for right now, he's demanding so much attention that uh, it's worth Working to the Heat's favor kind of in an indirect, uh, counterintuitive way. 
I actually don't have a lot of concern about it. I think that you kind of look at the game today, past ones have been just kind of the, it's been a defensive kind of thing with Duncan, but you look, um, just people guarding Duncan, but you look at Duncan today and those shots, a lot of his shots were open. They weren't con- like covered um, as they've been in the Milwaukee series and the Indiana series. It's just, that's just him. I think that, and obviously if you're, you're talking about Duncan Robinson, I think he's ultimately going to overcome that um, a, a shooting problem, which I never thought I'd say about Duncan Robinson having a, a shooting issue. But right now, um, obviously three straight series, it's a little concerning because he doesn't, he's not a two way guy, but I think um, ultimately he's going to show up in this series just because he's going to, he's going to get open looks like he had today. And I think he's going to start hitting them. Kendrick Nunn. Um, at, at this point, again, we're seeing a trend, right? Um, 13 minutes, minus 10, one of five, from the floor, one of four from three, one rebound, one assist. I, I thought he competed hard defensively, but they kept running him on those high screens and he was getting lost. I mean, they, they run they run Tice up there. He's just too big. Um, Kendrick was having trouble getting around him. Uh, but again, I, I think that the big issue with Kendrick is he's got to find a way to find his offense without disrupting the Heat's flow. And I felt like today he disrupted the flow a little bit. I don't blame him for it entirely because – Again, he was out there a lot of those minutes with Jimmy, and it was a time that Jimmy was being kind of passive, wasn't touching the ball much on offense. So, again, I'm not going to blame it all on Kendrick, but the rhythm that he was in early in the season, you know, you're past the COVID thing now. He got back in the bubble after some personal issues, and he obviously lost his starting job. He's been a great teammate. I mean, he tweeted out that joke about Jimmy kind of being – what he said he was an uncle now and he had Jimmy holding Giannis uh, you know he had like a cartoon of Jimmy holding Giannis and holding TJ Warren okay and I mean so I don't think he's complaining about his role I don't think it's any of that it's just he can't find a rhythm and I, I don't know that he's found it in this bench role either I just don't know where else they go he, he got outplayed by Wanamaker to a pretty large extent today and if he's going to be on the floor, he's got to at least play him even, right? And this comes on a day that, to his credit, Kendrick Nunn was named first-team all-rookie. So I don't want to get away from what he did in the rookie season, but it feels like a long time ago. Yeah, I, honest, I honestly think with Kendrick Nunn right now in the playoffs and even as even the bubble as a whole, if you look back at those regular season bubble games, the game is more of a half-court offense that it's just kind of slowing down. And if you look at kind of where Kendrick Nunn kind of thrived all season, it's just been kind of – more of a fast paced fast break kind of uh, open court kind of thing that I think when they're when it's a half court offense and the defense is congested a little bit more he he has a tough time I don't think he can uh, attack as well as he did um, like earlier in the season so I think right now he's just he's just not a, a, a player that you could kind of look to in a playoff game just due to his his offensive play right now and then obviously the defensive side is is no better and um they they really were searching for that for that Kendrick Nunn um matchup on offense you could kind of tell that they were going to try to either find a way to for him to be lost in that pick and roll or absolutely attack him which led to some couple fouls so there's just a lot of things that go along with Kendrick Nunn and I think ultimately I think we see you know um Spolster kind of said he's just going to kind of he's going to do things on the fly kind of with especially with the bubble um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Derek Jones Jr. gets his minutes next game. Greg, is that what you think he'll do now? They don't have another guard to go to. They're not going to play Gabe Vincent. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that 
it's a situation where this was the game they tried to get none um, going early. His first five minutes, I felt like he actually looked pretty darn good, even despite a couple misses. Uh, he looked sharper, uh, and then it just went downhill from there. And you just you can't have a guy get four fouls in thirteen minutes. I know this was an overtime game, so he stretched it and went ten deep, and and the minutes distribution on the bench was a little maybe different different than we anticipated. I think that it's that this rotation is going to shrink, provided we don't go into OT and double OT going forward. Um, this may be the last that we see of some of these guys in extended looks uh, going forward because I just feel like uh, back to what we said initially that they were throwing everything at the wall to see what stuck. And I think one thing that stuck is that Kendrick Nunn is just not a plus player in this particular series. Um, which is unfortunate because I, f I felt like there was a role for him, particularly offensively tonight, especially with Jimmy and Bam late to the party from a scoring perspective. And he, he just didn't put, put, put it together. Luckily we have uh, the hero stuff to uh, fixate on. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And I mean, it comes on a day, like I said, that, you know, none was first team all rookie. So we shouldn't forget what he's accomplished this season. But we always talked at the beginning of the year that, you know, none was better then, but Hero had the higher upside. It's just happened faster than I expected. Uh, maybe because this does feel like Hero's second season, maybe because of the COVID thing with none. But it's just, they don't even look like, whereas in Summer League, there were a lot of times when I was out there last July, you know, with Alex and others that, like, you know, none looked like a better guard than Hero, like at that stage. Like he was the one running the offense, he was the one in control. It just didn't, it just doesn't look like that anymore. Even when the two of them are playing together, it looks like none doesn't really know when to go, when not to go, and that's stuff he had figured out. It almost feels at this point, I think you're right, both of you guys, it almost feels at this point like he just needs an offseason and to get back to a training camp, like, and then kind of figure it out. And they figure, again, if they don't trade him this offseason, they kind of figure out, okay, where does he fit on this team now? Because they figured it out last preseason. They fit when he had 40 against Houston. They figured it out during summer league. They figured it out early in the season, but they haven't figured it out um, now. All right, I want to switch to, to the, the Celtics a little bit before we close, but before I do I want to tell you about another sponsor of the five reasons sports network. And that's our friend Louis Peters over at state farm. This is an agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States, more than 60 years of combined experience in the insurance industry. These are local agents that understand South Florida's unique market. They've got access 24 seven on louispeters.com. That's L U I S peters.com. Or you can walk in during the day. It's on Southwest 117th Avenue in Miami, of course, all of our sponsors are local, or you can click into louispeters.com. This is personalized service tailored to each and every customer. There are no cookie cutter solutions in insurance. So again, go to louispeters.com, L-O-L-U-I-S-peters.com, or 305-275-5585. All right, let's get into the other side of this and how the Heat handled some of Boston's better players. We, we fixated on some of these matchups. Let me go through some of the numbers. Jason Tatum had 30 tonight, plus 14 rebounds, five assists, three steals, and two blocks. <laughs> That's a LeBron line. But 10 of 24 um, from the field. So, like, the silver lining yes. is it wasn't as efficient as maybe you would have thought Jason Tatum could get to. That's true. And four of 12 from three was six of six from the line in 43 minutes. What did you think of the way that they tried to guard him tonight, Greg? 
I mean, I felt like they did everything they could. He was just in a zone early. Um, he was in that smooth spot. You, you even saw it in some of the replays when they went to timeout and they kind of showed him turn around and head to the bench and he had these smiles and he was, he was feeling himself. So like on a night like that, when, when a smooth elite scoring wing like Tatum is doing what he does, there's nothing you could really do. I, I can distinctly remember a play on the baseline where he had Jimmy, Jimmy isolated and he kind of did his little step back jumper and Jimmy defended it really well. He did about as good as you could um, kind of with the Shane Battier hand in the face thing going on and, and the shot dropped. And there's just nothing you can do when a player of his caliber is shooting like that. But ultimately they grinded him down as the game went on. When you think about 10 of 24, that could have been 10 of 20 if he wasn't, you know, missing some of those long threes at the end and getting blocked by bam. Um, so like, it's a situation where the, the answer to him may be that you don't have an answer and you just have to keep grinding on him and hopefully he wears down as the game goes on because this was a grueling game by the end of it. Yeah, I think you look at just Jason Tatum as a whole and while you're describing all those plays, he was um, – that, la- that final shot in that fourth quarter, it, it looked good. Um, I think that there was a – Heat fans kind of took a deep breath after that one. Um, he could have ended that right there, and that could have been a totally different storyline. So, but just listen, just hearing you say about the stat line and everything, um, you pretty much got the the Jason Tatum um, game. I think that this is what you're going to get a lot from Jason Tatum. I don't think this is like a Marcus Smart game where this is just out of the blue. I think this is pretty much what you're going to get, and you're going to have to deal with it. Um, you have to deal with the other stuff. Um, ultimately, Kemba Walker isn't going to have a, this poorly of a game scoring wise. So you're going to have to kind of figure some stuff out that way. Um, but I think transitioning to Kemba Walker for a second, I think that kind of, I kind of talked about Bam Adebayo being the kind of the guy in this series to kind of step up on the defensive side. And due to them sending so many – doing the running the high pick and roll, it kind of results in a lot of plays where Kemba's going to be on Bam. And he's had the, he's had the advantage over these centers. Like in the past, they pretty much – he pretty much forced Marcus Gasol not be in the game at end of games because – he would pretty much torch him, taking him to the rim or doing his famous step back. But that's just not the case when Bam Adebayo is guarding you one-on-one. And I think that's just another big thing about talking Bam's talking about Bam's impact is just the Kemba Walker effect that he pretty much took him out of the game. He did. It's a great point. Uh, Kemba finished six of 19 from the floor, one of nine from three, he was six of seven from the line, had six assists, but again, inefficient. I talked before the series about how 2016, everybody remembers Kemba torturing Miami and they don't remember him shooting 36%. Well, tonight he shot 31%. (laughs) Um, I mean, you'll take it. And you're right. The band, there was one sequence that really stood out, Brady, where Kemba got, there was a switch. Kemba had the ball at the top. Bam was about four or five feet behind him. And Kemba stopped, stepped back, but not into a jumper, but just stepped back to kind of, I don't know, sort of, you know, get himself set again, reset himself, because it was like, oh, shit, this guy switched out on yeah, me. It, <laughs> and, and it was like he didn't know – it gummed up their whole offense. It's not, it's not just the missing a shot. It's that Boston's offense, when it's working, is Kemba playing in rhythm, getting to those step backs, like you said, isolating on bigs that can't move quickly enough either laterally or – you know, front to back, basically, to, to, to at least get a hand up against those step backs. And against Bam, he can. And it felt like, okay, their whole offense is bleeped up now. 
for the rest of the possession. And that's what Bam's doing to them. They're going to have to figure out a way to run a cross screen something to get the, get after the switch to get Bam off of him because I, I just don't think it's, it's a favorable matchup. And if he's going to go six of 19 after the way he played in the last two games of the Toronto series, which, I mean, this is a trend now, it's going to be very difficult for Boston to win this series. He's got to be better than that. I mean, they got six of 14 out of Jalen. I thought he was fine. You know, he was good, but not, you know, overly impactful offensively. They got the 11 from Wanamaker off the bench. He played a really solid game. He had five steals and six assists. Like, he, he was really good tonight, okay? But they're not going to get anything from anybody else. I mean, Ojale played 10 minutes, you know, one of two two points. Grant Williams and Robert Williams played 21 minutes between them. I mean, they had a couple moments. There was the one three from Grant Williams in a key spot. But you're not expecting bench scoring. I mean, you know, we talked Cantor was, you know, Cantor didn't play. They're not going to play Carson Edwards. They're not going to play Romeo Langford. I mean, this is the team. I mean, they're not deep without Hayward. And so they have to get good production, efficient production out of Walker and Brown and Tatum. Um, and so they got the Marcus Smart game and it wasn't enough. Now, like you said, if Tatum makes that shot at the end, you know, <laughs> if he finishes over Bam, if, 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 if there were lots of plays in that game, it could have gone the other direction. But I think the key things tonight, and, and let's look forward here in our last minute. The key things tonight to me that I took is the resilience that this Heat team has shown where they fall behind and they don't care and they just keep playing and they keep running bodies at you. And we talked about that before the bubble, Greg. When we do the, those early episodes, I remember Alex and I talking about that a lot, that I thought Eric was just going to throw more bodies at people and just wear them down. And here we are in the Eastern Conference Finals, and he played 10. Not all of them played well. I didn't think Kelly played particularly well either. But they come back from an 18-point first quarter and a 16-point third quarter, and they score between the overtime and the other two quarters. What was it? 83 points. They never got rattled, especially Hero. To me, that's the big takeaway. I think you come out of this and you feel like we kind of took Boston's best punch in a lot of ways. They got the Marcus Smart game. They got up on us early. Tatum played really, really well. He was more productive than Butler for most of the game. And we still won. Yeah, I just think that you could pretty much hit it right there. I think the main thing to take away from this is just the, the kind of the grittiness of this team, just the physicality, the scrappiness. It's kind of been a thing that we talked about all season, kind of exploiting the heat culture kind of term. Um, it's just been a thing. And the, it's kind of the thing that stands out to me, I think, is the team chemistry side of things. I think this we've kind of talked about this team being a, a joint locker room, a, a, just a guy the off the court, just being so together. But you, I think it just really translate, translates to on the court. You look at just the small plays, as I mentioned, with the Crowder to Butler plays. All, all of these guys, they really, truly trust each other, especially Butler. He's talked about kind of, he trusts Tyler Hero at the end of a game, a rookie, a 20-year-old. I just – it's just – it really is amazing that you're not just the, one of these other teams that are giving the ball to LeBron or Kawhi or, or Jason Tatum or at the end of a game. You're, you're – there's so many options that they all have the ultimate trust on this team for somebody to hit that shot at the end of a game. And it, it, it doesn't even have to be in the starting lineup. There could be a guy that's an eighth man that they'll have the, the utmost trust in just the route. So I think that's just what stands out to me the most. 
you know what else is really interesting is the way that they play when they get down and they don't get phased by it. Um, and I've been tweeting this about this barrage of three-pointers that we know is always coming. It's almost like they play like they know that that is something that's going to come and it comes in waves and they just have to ride that wave when it hits, but then they know it's going to crash and there's going to be moments where they can't get too down and it's a mental approach uh, that that is attributed to that, but ultimately we got shooters and they are leaning into that more than ever. And uh, the barrage of three point shots come and they're fine and they play like they feel like they're going to be fine. And um, it's it's just it's incredible to see how quickly that's come together. Uh, that this team has formed this type of identity in one season. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why when we start to have those off season pods and we kind of talk about. Should they make this trade? Should they go get this player? We're going to have to have a serious conversation about whether they should touch this thing much at all because there is a unique chemistry to this group that has only gotten stronger in the bubble in ways that we thought it might, but it, I think it has exceeded even our expectations. And they just don't think they're going to lose. And, and there, there are very few teams um, that you can say that about, okay, even in Heat history, that they just don't feel like they're going to lose. The, the big three teams – like they always felt like there was a defensive flurry, right? Like, okay, okay, we're gonna get we're gonna get serious defensively. We'll have one of those skirmishes, and LeBron and Dwayne, everybody, and then all of a sudden, you know, we'll hit a uh, a Ray Allen or a Shane Battier, and we'll hit a few threes, and we'll get going. But this team, it's different. It's not just relying on its defense. Like they feel like they're gonna ball movement their way, okay, to openings, or Jimmy's gonna get to the line. And I, I just think they they just have this unique mix. Goran Dragic is playing the best basketball of his life. Uh, I, he's to me, he's better than third team, all NBA Goron, uh, that they got from Phoenix and Jimmy knows when to pick his spots. It's it, sometimes it's frustrating. It's frustrating with bam, but they have this overwhelming trust. You talk about it, Greg, in the other players on this team. And sometimes it's frustrating as a viewer. Cause you're like, I mean, there was one time, even, I think, I don't know, Doris or Mark mentioned it on air. It was like, bam, look at the basket. Like he was right at the basket and he kicked it out. I, I think they got away with it on that possession. So it does get frustrating, but then you ultimately see it pay off because maybe it's that attitude and those plays that has made Tyler hero and some of the other guys on the team feel like, okay, I'm empowered to make plays here at the end. And so the Miami Heat win game one in overtime. They are now nine and one in playoff games this season. They have a one nothing lead. They play next again on Thursday. That actually is a seven o'clock start. We'll have a pregame stream, postgame pod, postgame stream for you. Find us on fivereasonsports.com. We've still got that special 10% off all shirts on our site with the code floor pass that's running as long as the heat are alive. So if you're confident they're going to be around for three more weeks, then wait. If you think it might end in a week and a half, you might want to buy those now. Thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks to our sponsors, Mark Brown, PA, Mr. Kitchen. That's our new sponsor. You break wheel fix. Again, the code word today is Tyler and LouisPeters.com. Alf and Alex and others will be back with us this week. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. 
they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.